Yeah, we're back live. Uh, welcome to Certain Minds. It's episode 31. Uh, this one, we decided to go off the rip and uh, get into, you know, a different side of entrepreneurship, which is owning a franchisee of a, you know, well-established um, brand or, you know, restaurant. Uh, in this case, it's Chick-fil-A. Um, I reached out to a guy named Craig, uh, Craig Stokes. I'm super stoked to ha- bring him on to the show today. So, um, yeah, Craig is currently an owner operator of Chick-fil-A based out of, uh, Canoga Park in, uh, West LA. Uh, prior to that, Craig's got a crazy cool history. You know, he's spent some time doing, uh, Hollywood hosting. Um, and, uh, by that, I mean, you know, kind of just being an interviewer and I'm sure he'll get more into that as well as, uh, Craig also has done a stint in the air force. Um, we could definitely go into that too. And, what really caught my attention was Craig, uh, you know, kind of just started his uh, career and like his work with uh, KFC. And I mean, to my knowledge, that's, that's Craig. But Craig, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Sir Minds podcast, man. Hey, Dan, how's it going, man? Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Doing well. Uh, happy mid-April. Um, I think, you know, the best way to just kick stuff off is uh, can you tell us a little about, you know, how it's been running a Chick-fil-A and like kind of. Just maybe we could start there. Yeah, or I mean, Chick-fil-A tell us about yourself, anything like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, you know, I grew up in North Carolina uh, around Chick-fil-A's, and I, I will honestly say I took it for granted because much like McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King, there was a Chick-fil-A everywhere I looked. And so it was pretty normal to see a Chick-fil-A, and I didn't think much about it at the time. But uh, fast forward to now to actually being the owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A, thousands of miles away from where I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Shout out to J. Cole. Hey, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> Dreamville for sure. Uh, it's um, it's a bit surreal, you know, and I would say that because it challenged me, it has challenged me in ways that I've never been challenged before from hiring 120 team members to open a restaurant, something I never had to do before to just two, three months after opening, we opened up in January of 2020, COVID you know, was a thing and it still is, you know, a pandemic that we're dealing with. And so just having to really balance understanding the business with also taking care of my team and prioritizing people over profit and main maintaining the health and safety of my team and giving that confidence to our guests, like, hey, you can actually still come here. We're going to take care of you. We're going to serve you in a safe way. And also being able to balance the time with my wife and my our two kids and just it was, I think 2020 was the, was the, the key word was balance for us. Yeah. Well, most definitely. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, want to ask you what is, uh, what, what clicked in your head and made you like want to apply and own a Chick-fil-A and make this your, your life or your, your next step in the career? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I've always been an entrepreneur from, from day one, whether it was something as simple as, Right before the school bus would come to pick us up, we would I would run to the gas station, grab a pack of Nowalators, open them up, throw them in a paper bag, and then sell them individually. Or cut hair early morning before school started. It didn't matter if you were a female, male, black, white. <laughs> it didn't matter who you were. I was cutting your hair, and I was making a few extra dollars there. Or cutting grass, whatever it was. I was I was always always in this mindset of creating, doing whatever I believed was possible, and just taking the initiative to bringing it to uh, fruition. Um, we actually had a children's birthday party business when I was uh, a kid. So from age 13 to 16, yours truly, Craig Stokes would dress up as a red power ranger and I would be hired to go to kids' birthday parties and do punches and kicks and 
<laughs> you can't see me right now, but I'm a very slim guy, Man. so you can only imagine what a 13 year old Craig looks like in red spandex. Not 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 very not a very great sight. But anyway, we would get charged. Uh, we would charge them a hundred dollars an hour to bring cake and ice cream and eat and have pizza with the kids. And so I think nice. that really kind of planted that seed of really giving uh, of myself uh, to someone else to be of service for this once in a lifetime opportunity. Right, this kid is turning eight years old or nine years old, and here I am, yeah. just a few years older, having to give them uh, a birthday that they won't forget. And so I think fast forward to to when I actually got that Chick-fil-A seed planted was 2012. I was actually working for a friend of mine from high school who had a food service business like Sodexo or Airmark. If you ever seen them on your college campus, they're the ones who run the campus dining for you. And so he had a business like that. So we had a meeting one day with Chick-fil-A because he wanted to bring a Chick-fil-A to his college campus. And I was like, wow, I've grown up around Chick-fil-A and never even thought that this was something that they did. And yet, that planted my planted a seed. And so fast forward to 20, 2017, I'm actually in Italy on okay. assignment there for the Air Force. And that's where I clicked send on my application for Chick-fil-A. Kind of got the ball rolling June of 2017. 18 months later, January of 2019 is when I, I got selected for the restaurant. So I think the, the seed was always yeah. there. Never really realized it. 2012 is when it kind of clicked. 2017 is when I took action on it. Wow, man, that's that's pretty amazing. And I also got into like what the process of getting approved for Chick Fil A is, and you, you know, I've read there's anywhere from fifty thousand applicants, and they only pick like one hundred or like a couple hundred. Did that deter you from trying, or like, I don't know. I mean, when anyone sees that, it's kind of uh, intimidating, right? Like, did that? I mean, what did you yeah. think, and how did that even uh, come in your head? Yeah, you know, intimidating intimidating is definitely the right word for it, I think, Meg, because it's the chances are much greater that you'll get into Harvard or the CIA than <laughs> you can get into Chick-fil-A. You know, it's uh the odds aren't in our favor. But you know, one of the things that I would do, I'll just cut tell you a quick story about four fourth grade Craig. Sure. I I had a best friend of mine that I would literally do every single thing that he would do. He wore a pair of reading glasses, not as cool as your glasses, Dan, oh, but, <laughs> but uh, I would say, hey, man, bring your spare pair of reading glasses just so I could wear reading glasses like him. He would draw a picture, a really nice picture. I would draw the exact same picture. He would make a beat, right? I would do the yeah. exact same beat. And then one day we were standing with a friend of ours and, and she was just kind of taking note of all the things that I was copying him on. And, and he said, she said, man, Craig does everything you do. And he said, I'm thinking like, okay, this is my best friend. He's going to have my yeah. back. <laughs> Guess what he says? He says, I know, right? I bet you if I jump off a bridge, I bet you'll jump off a bridge. <laughs> and, and, and for me, that was a light bulb moment. A really almost like a life-changing moment in fourth grade where I said, why, why am I trying to be like, this guy, like I'm as cool or maybe even cooler than this guy, right? Like we, we both draw, why don't I draw my own picture? Why am I trying so hard to be like somebody else? So I, I say that to say, to answer your question, when I see that the odds are not in my favor, when I see that not everybody can do it, it actually is exciting because it gives me a chance to, to chart my own path. It allows me to take the road less traveled. It allows me, like, as Jay, Jay-Z says, you know, I came to the fork in the road and went straight. Like, it allows me to zig when everyone else zags. It's one of those things that, for me, um, 
was was definitely exciting because not everybody can do this and so i really i i, I it didn't deter me to you know to see those kind of odds hey hey craig hey, yeah, hey craig man, quick, mean, quick question yeah. here on um you know i guess you mentioned that get, getting a franchise um you know it, it, the odds are, are against you uh what made them pick you and you know i mean do you have prior um I guess experience in, in you know owning a restaurant or, or running a restaurant because I think a lot of us right have all these dreams of like you know we want to own our own Chick Fil A or let's say another fast food joint at some point right and we all limit ourselves and say you know what I don't think I know even how to run you know <laughs> you know a, a restaurant or a food service might might even a, a, a brand name you know fast food chain. Why did they pick you and why did you think you had the right kind of, you know, uh, makeup to to be the owner operator of of a Chick-fil-A? Yeah, it's a that's a great question. I uh, appreciate that, Earl. So it's I will say this to the listeners, right? Everyone listening right now has a story. The version of themselves that is sitting down listening, driving in the car, running on a treadmill, whatever it is, they are the version of themselves because of the experiences that you've had in your life, right? The adversity that you've faced and that you've overcome, that that class project that you had to work together in a group on, um, having to stand in front of a class and speak and present, maybe you had to face your fear of public speaking, but you overcame it and you did it. Uh, whatever it might be, you have done something that we probably honestly take for granted. We probably discounted it. But I will say that everything has value. Every moment that we've had, whether it was a super big moment or not, it's it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to to be better, to experience something, to overcome a challenge. And if you think back on your life and you had to answer the question, tell me your story. You will be able to dig into it and say, you know what? I actually, I actually did do that thing. I actually did start that. I did create that. I did lead this. I was a part of this moment. I did uh, deal with growing up in a single family home and how that felt and how I overcame that and how I created this business. Even if I made $5 from it, but you started something you and you made it happen. And so what I will tell you in terms of why I think I got selected was my answer to that question, tell me your story was filled with growing up in a single family home. It was, it was filled with, uh, cutting grass, learning how to cut hair, making money that I, you know, again, these are things that I took the initiative on. So keywords like initiative, things like losing my best friend at age 20 to gun violence, overcoming that adversity and turning that into a scholarship that I gave in his honor to starting an organization on campus in college that was not just social, but it was service oriented and how I you know, maybe created the first ever campus wide cleanup or did a lunch buddies program or whatever it might be. All these different things like over and over again help tell the story that, hey, Craig, I mean, he started at KFC, he made $4.75, but that's not where it stopped. He kept creating these moments and kept building on how people perceived him. And and they even told me, they say, Craig, if you think that we're giving you this restaurant because you know what you're doing or because we know that you've owned a restaurant, or, you're wrong. We know you don't know what you're doing, but we believe and we have confidence that you will figure it out. And so that's why I go back to everything has value. Everything that we sometimes take for granted or discount, like, ah, oh, that doesn't really matter. That doesn't mean anything or who cares about my sob story or whatever it might be. If you, if you, if you really reflect on yourself, 
that will be the basis for why you can, why you're qualified to start that business, whatever, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a podcast, whether, no matter what it is, there's something in your life that you can lean on to help you get to where you want to go. Loved how you phrased that. And uh, I mean, it's such a, I guess, counterintuitive um, answer. And, you know, in life, there's so much adversity that, I mean, just so much in like the past year with, you know, COVID and, you know, government regulations or health health concerns it's just it's tough stuff but you know just applying what you you know mentioned it's it's pretty interesting and i i love how seriously that's that's amazing i going <laughs> um but i think what i want to talk to now is about uh when i guess the coronavirus pandemic hit uh you were two months into running the business right um did that kind of like absolutely make things i don't know like uh did how did how did that how did you deal with that and like i mean how did somebody anyone deal with that like in terms of running a sit-down restaurant known for customer service yeah let me tell you one thing is there there's no playbook <laughs> for pandemics right and now there is now there is if you open up a business now i'm sure somebody will tell you hey if uh, uh covid 23 Okay. strikes here's what we could probably do to overcome it but at that time it was it seemed like it came out of nowhere it seemed like it came out of nowhere it yeah sorry like man just technical issues but it seemed like it was in a thanks, country thanks. Uh, and then i think all of yeah sudden, you were just saying about in california there's no playbook into running a business it's, it's affecting in everyone in the world yeah. thanks yeah that'd be much great. the same way and so yeah, what I would say is that there's there's obviously no playbook when it comes to pandemics, as we all know, right? There's there's no rule or no guide that says, hey, if, if a worldwide pandemic hits you, how do you pivot? How do you adjust? Um, and so a lot of us were just, you know, everyone is learning on the fly. How do we do school? You know, I have an 11 year old daughter. How do we how do we make sure she still gets her education? A two year old son, how, who's going to watch him during the day while we're at the restaurant? And so I think we had so many different things hitting us that we were constantly having to think about that when COVID really struck and really became something that we knew was going to stick around for a while, we were already in the mindset of how do we pivot? How do we keep taking care of our guests? How do we keep serving our team members? How do we keep them safe? How do we grow our business? So we went from just having the drive-through open to and the dining room. Obviously, the dining room closed, but that's a good part of our business. So. We got to, you know, move everybody to the drive through. But what else can we do? So the next question yeah. is, how can we make this work? What else is what else can we do? And so we we turned on mobile curbside so that now you can stay in your car. You don't have to come inside, place some order on the app. And we'll bring it out to you. So we got some some uh, like paint buckets and uh, PVC pipes. Nice. And we got some signs printed at a local sign shop to create one, two, three, four, five, all these different stations where you can actually park. Then we also started our relationships with DoorDash and Postmates and Uber Eats and Grubhub to open up that sales channel. So it was just constant evolution on got to keep the business going, yeah. right? Because that's how we pay the bills. But we also have to serve the guests and our team in a safe way. So that was that was our mindset. That's, that's super interesting. I uh, just want to get into that. Like how does, so so something that Chick-fil-A is known for is saying, I guess they're, they're top tier customer service. I remember the first time I went to a Chick-fil-A down in Southern California. They don't have too many up in the, the Bay Area, but uh, I went with my friend and uh, I mean, I was like, oh, this looks good. Let's, let's check it out. I didn't even know any history about Chick-fil-A or like, I was just like, I need something to eat. Let's go get something and got a chicken sandwich. And, um, and you know, it, it was a different type of restaurant, man. I mean, we walked in and like, I guess there were maybe like flowers on the table or like, uh, 
look different and the vibe was different and uh you know after getting our meal the guy or the wait the waiter or the employee was like oh, it's my pleasure is there anything else i can get for you and i was like huh not really but thanks and it was a little bit creepy to me <laughs> just uh coming from a city and like nobody's that nice like how, how do you maybe how do you try to uh, instill that attitude and you know your employees and yourself like is that a must and like what's what's uh the, the idea there like i mean i do i do value that customer service though, and i do have to say it's it's really it makes you stand out and, and it's great yeah it's a it's a it's a standard that we are super proud about um you know honestly though i get the question a lot like how do you train your team to do that like what is it that chick-fil-a does Chick-fil-A sets sets the standard, but because each location is individually owned and operated, honestly, I could hire whoever I want. I can train them however I want. And the experience may or may not be what is typical at a Chick-fil-A, which uh, wouldn't be a good thing, right? You want to go into every Chick-fil-A and have a really welcoming, uh, very hospitable experience. And so for me, I had to set a vision for the restaurant. Like, what is it that I want it to feel like? How do I want to treat the guests? How do I want the team members to feel, especially in Southern California, where a lot of, a lot of the team members didn't grow up around Chick-fil-A, or maybe the first time they had Chick-fil-A was when they actually started serving at our restaurant. And so my vision for the restaurant is bringing Southern hospitality to Southern California. And so it's, it's, it's catchy, it's simple. And, and if you've never heard of the concept of Southern hospitality, even if you've never heard of it, you know what it feels like to welcome somebody into your home. You know, you want it to be clean. You know, you want them to feel like, hey, I was expecting you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> hey, Earl, come on, grab a seat, sit down. Can I get you anything to drink? Right. I'm thinking about all of that. If you think about it from that context, you're going to take care of that guest from the moment they walk in to the moment they leave and you get ready to leave. All right, bye. Thanks. See you soon. I mean, it's just a, it's a great experience that says, you know what, man, if I want to have a great day, if I want to have a better day, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A because they want to see me. They want to serve me, whether it's eight o'clock in the morning or nine fifty nine, right before they close. They want to take care of me and serve me. And that's that's why it is our pleasure. And so everything we do is elevated. So you're welcome is my pleasure. Right. Drinks are beverages. We, we think about instead of our customers, we call them guests. Come on. Welcome. You're a guest in our house. And that's why bringing that southern hospitality to Southern California is such a big deal. And it really resonates with our team. I love that, man. Yeah. Greg, uh, I'm super curious, like, what's the hardest part of being an owner and operator, right, of, of a restaurant, right? Is it is it setting the vision? Is it hiring? Is it, like, operations? Like, at least for you, what are, maybe not even the hardest part, but even the biggest surprises uh, that you did not expect. Yeah, I think the hardest part, I would say, is not knowing what you don't know, what I don't know, speaking for myself, right? Like I didn't come from Chick-fil-A. Last time I worked in a fast food or a quick service restaurant was when I was 16, 17 years old. And so it, you know, a lot of years had passed. And so what what is this going to feel like? What is it going to be like? 120 team members, you know, creating a schedule for mm. all of them, ordering the food truck, managing inventory, trying to be profitable as soon as possible to hiring vendors, you know, meeting vendors, you know, deciding which ones to use. So you talk about those flowers on the table, you know, which something as simple as who is going to be our florist? Where are we going to get our vases from? You know, where, who's going to clean our restaurant? Are we going to do it ourselves? Or are we going to hire somebody else to do it? Um, to 
you know, getting the uniforms ordered and just managing all of that. Okay, now on top of that, what's our leadership structure going to look like? Right. So we have actually an, an inverted pyramid structure. So instead of it being like me, owner operator at the top, looking down at my team, we have it reversed. So the team members are the widest part of the, the triangle or the pyramid. Underneath that, we have our trainers and then we have team leaders and then we have associate directors, directors, executive team, and then myself. So I'm at the very bottom. And what that means is it says Craig's at the bottom, little old me, I'm supporting my executive team. My executive team has strong enough back, uh, backs and shoulders to support the director team. They're supporting the associate directors, the, the trainers, I mean, the team leaders, the trainers, and then the team members at the top. And then our team members are in charge of giving our guests a better day. So when a person gets promoted, they actually get promoted down. They're asking to put more weight on their shoulders, take on more responsibility, but things like that. Like, how do we come up with that type of strategy? And so great thing about Chick-fil-A is there's um, just operators really work well together. They share resources and best practices and they really help each other along. Uh, but now when I walk into the restaurant, it's not as daunting. It's not as overwhelming. I do see everything that's going on, but I can filter out much, much better of, about what I need to focus on. I think the biggest thing now is setting a vision um, at my level, but then articulating it down to the team, uh, up, up to the team members so that they understand it and they're motivated, motivated by it um, at their level. So what matters to me may not matter necessarily to the team members. And so just making sure that we're communicating that and, um, and that yeah. we're also just, again, yeah. at this point we're, we're, we're in COVID. So just making sure that, hold, hold on just one second. Okay. No worries. Oh. Thanks. Just making sure that <laughs> that what we're doing and what we're, how we're communicating, how we're treating our guests is consistent. Cause that's the thing now, right? So you come into a Chick-fil-A, you're expecting a certain experience. So how do we maintain that, that, that consistent experience yeah. a year plus into it? Um, and the other part about it is how do I get to a place where we can eventually have maybe two restaurants? And so that's shifting my mindset from just owner operator to really CEO and thinking about how to grow the organization and what leadership structure do I need to have in place? And how do I get to a place where we could actually not only have 100 team members, but 200? And how do we manage that? So scaling the business is probably the hardest part right now. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I just, I mean, I never, you know, I don't really know anyone who's a owner of a franchise. So it's, it's uh, really interesting to see that. Uh, one more thing here is like, what are, you know, the goals of, uh, I guess yourself or the, the franchise in general, is it hit amount of sales? Is it like, you know, be, um, you know, get recognition? Like what, what is, uh, the, the, the ideals that you guys have for each other and like, what, what, what is success in your mind here other than uh, good service and like, yeah, just yeah. maybe something in that area. You know, it's one of the, it's, it's an interesting thing because great service and great experiences create more sales. So we prioritize giving our guests a better day. It was a, a operator friend of mine named Ben who really established this kind of concept of a better day. It's not, we're not, we're not curing cancer, you know, at Chick-fil-A. I wish that we could, we're not turning trash into clean drinking water, but we do believe if we do a few things the right way, our guests will leave with a better day. And I don't think there's been a year recently such as 2020 that has given us the really, to really, you know, drive that home for us that when a guest pulls up in our drive-through with what we think about is we try to tell ourselves a story, right? So, 
So Ben and Earl are driving up in your white Lamborghini, right? And you're pulling into the drive-through. Is that cool? The Lamborghini's cool? All right. All right, we'll take that. So you're pulling in and let's just imagine that you had promised to your your kid your kids, your nieces, your nephew, hey, we're gonna take you to Chick-fil-A uh on Tuesday. And but they don't know that you just got laid off from your job because COVID is still a thing. You know, your your job is is, you know, they have just laid you off. This is your first time out of the house in months, right? You've been stuck in the house on quarantine. And so it's up to us to give you a great experience to make this one trip out of your house worth it, to make you spending your last few dollars that you don't really have just to be a great, you know, uh, husband, wife, uncle, aunt, brother, sister to these kids. We want to make sure that you can leave feeling like, you know what, it was really worth it. And if I ever want to have another better day, I'm going to come to to Chick-fil-A. So our priority now is just really getting back to the very basics and staying and remaining at the very basics of what Chick-fil-A is and what makes us special. That's from a great greeting. Hi, welcome to Chick-fil-A. I'm Craig. What's your name? It's nice to meet you, Ben. What can I get started for you today? That experience is something that isn't hard to give, but most people don't get it. They don't receive it. And so we just want to maintain that that level of consistency. Um, obviously, the oper- we can be nice all day, but if we give you the wrong order and yeah. our order accuracy isn't, isn't great, that's not that's not OK. <laughs> that's not giving a guest a better day. So we balance the great experience, the great uh, presence and hosp- hospitality with order accuracy, getting faster in the restaurant in terms of our speed. And then as well as just maintaining, just being attentive and courteous. And uh, at the end of the day, we serve a very diverse community. So just making sure that we are communicating in a way that resonates with every one of our guests. I don't care what walk of life you come from. I don't care what you look like. Yeah, I do care. My point is I do care is that I want you all to feel welcome. Everybody I don't care. I don't want you to feel like, oh, Chick-fil-A is only a restaurant for a certain group of people, but that we're open and willing to serve uh, and we love to serve any and everyone. So that's really big for me. Um, in the Air Force, I served as a director of equal opportunity. So my mindset is already such that you know, we're going to get rid of all the racisms and sexisms and any of the isms. And we're we're going to make sure everyone feels welcome to be a team member at the restaurant and everybody feels welcome as a guest. And so that's really big for me as well. So, yeah, that's I think that those I know I said a lot. No worries. Really the <laughs> for me. That, that was really cool, man. Yeah, just uh, I think uh, or I wish that more, you know, people, um, potential employers like treated, you know, their future uh, I guess employees or just in general adopted that. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes a long way. I, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, if we were, if I were closer to Chick-fil-A, I would go, but the nearest one is like down, like in San Mateo, which is like 25 minutes away. But, um, mm, okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to move somewhere next to Chick-fil-A now. Yeah. Um, uh, we got to make that happen. Uh, uh, Craig, quick, quick, quick question here. Um, when it is, I mean, what I'm impressed in our conversation is like the level of kind of sincerity and honesty of your leadership, right? And and really this notion of like how how do we really serve the guests, right? The the the, the employees uh, beyond yourself. Uh, tell us more about like you know your childhood. Like where did this sense of you know servant leadership came from, right? Um, because this is something that I think. We're all curious about because this is as much as you think you can, you can, you know, train yourself to be one. It's actually, you know, might come from something, you know, much, much, uh, you know, younger self, right? So, 
we'd love to hear more about some stories on, on where this type of leadership came from. Yeah, I think, thanks for asking that. I will say just my parents and the foundation that they set for me, um, while they didn't remain married, they both remained very active in my, in my life and my development. And so my mother was a social worker at an early age. And so I think that was probably really what planted a lot of the seeds in my mind and my heart about just taking care of people. Obviously I have a, a, a spiritual religious background. So just kind of growing up in the church as well. So that's a great foundation for me that uh, I never wavered really from in terms of how I treat people or how I see the world. And, um, and so I think with my mother, she would bring kids to me and have me play with them that she had to take from a home, right? The home that maybe was abusive or just wasn't conducive for those kids to remain there. So as a social worker, she would take them away and, and I would spend time with them. Um, I, whether they had any mental handi handicaps or maybe they uh, were behavioral, behaviorally challenged or whatever it might've been, I just, I never found myself thinking of them differently. I just embraced them for who they were. And so I think that that was really big. Uh, my, my father spent a lot of time in the legal profession and is currently a judge. And he's always had a heart for seeing beyond the crime or the mistake that a person has made. And so that's, that's really been big for me as well. So just, I think that those three things, right, just growing up in the church and just having parents that were really about seeing the diversity in people and embracing people at all levels, right? Yeah. So that was really big. So I carried that through college, I mean, through high school. I had friends that weren't um, necessarily doing the most legal things. And I had friends that were in AP classes. And I just enjoy being able to communicate at all levels, right? So you heard me throw out my J. Cole references, but then I could talk about running a multi-million dollar business. And that's something that's really been me. It's been it's naturally been who, I, who I've been my whole life. Um, just being able to walk, walk, um, walk that line. I think also being a black male, I'm going to be honest, I think it's, it's big because I know what it's like for people to see just me on the surface and make assumptions and stereotypes and generalize and then maybe even approach me a certain way, whether it's being over-policed and getting stopped for something ridiculous or followed in a store or being raised to, my grandfather would always say, hey, Craig, don't go in the store with your hands in your pocket because they're, gonna think they're you're not going to think that your hands are cold. They're going to think that you've stolen yeah. something. So I've been, I've been groomed to, to really be able to uh, have that empathy and to, and to have that sensitivity with just for the challenges that um, one may face in the, and face in this world. And so I, you know, no matter what it is, no matter what title I put on, no matter what hat I'm wearing, yeah. I'm always just Craig. I'm always just me. And, uh, and I think that's probably allowed me to navigate the world the way I have. I love that Craig. Yeah. I think that speaks volumes, man. Just, uh, I mean, I've been there a little bit before. I'm not a black male, right. But I guess I've, the minority in san francisco man if you ever been around it's it's, it's gotten i mean in the news it's no had some bad events here don't don't want to talk to too much on that but uh i mean i guess with the AP, asian right. pacific islander hate and all that i mean in general yeah, right yeah. um uh but I, I grew up in that environment too and i guess i'll just share this side of my th thoughts um uh you know having been a kid and you know walking the street alone and just trying to fend my fend for myself or like uh also just like you know I've experienced that too, where I had my uh, hands in my pockets at like a CVS and they thought I was stealing, but I wasn't. And I, I think that's just like so relatable. And like, I think oftentimes mm -hmm. in, in in society, we treat people as maybe how we see them on social media or like how we see them 
dressed and i think that's uncool man i love i mean i would love for more people i guess myself included uh to to just bring that sense of a uh, humanness back into the picture and um it's 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 definitely a must i uh, want a few more um something that we also you know had talked prior about uh going on the podcast was uh it's not about who you know it's about who who knows you and that's something that you you know you had alluded to um and protecting your personal brand can you yep. kind of just uh get into that um what, what do you mean by that and like uh yeah yeah and and one i would say thanks for sharing that story as well i think having these conversations are really big right being able to know that wow okay you know ben and i may not look alike or earl and i may not look exactly alike sure. but it doesn't mean we don't share similar stories that allows us yeah, to yeah. say wow we're actually <laughs> brothers you know what i mean like we we, you know, we may have come from different parts of the country or whatever, but this is this is a great conversation. But yeah, I think when it comes to who knows you, and that that really is most important because it can be like, yeah, I got these great contacts, or I'm putting all this stuff out on social media, or whatever it is, and people know me, I'm popular. Do they really know who you are? Do they really know what you're about? Because as a startup, if you're starting up a business, the people that are going to support you probably first are going to be the people who know you and who are your closest to, who were your classmates, who were growing up in your neighborhood or your family members or whatever it might be. What is their perception of you? Are you the type of person that one week you want to be a guitar player, the next week you want to make the you know NBA, next next week you want to go to college, next week you want to join the military, next week you want to start? You know, are you the type of person that has a confusing brand where how you see yourself isn't really how other people see you? You think of yourself as a baseball, they see, you, they see you as a football, right? You know, something, you know, what, what, how, how do people perceive you? And I think for me, I learned early on that one, I'm not going to just not do something just because I, I'm afraid of what somebody's going to say, but I also have to keep in mind that if I throw this out here in the world, I'm planting a seed in the minds of the people that I'm going to maybe eventually one day ask to support my business or my product that I'm selling, whatever it is. And so for me, when I was in college, I, you know, I, I was a Mr. a and I went to an HBCU, the largest HBCU, which is a historically black college in North Carolina. It's the largest nice. uh, HBCU in the country, North Carolina A&T. So shout out to Aggie Pride. Um, and so I was Mr. A&T my sophomore year. So I was the male representative of the whole campus as a sophomore. And then I started the Fayetteville Aggies. Aggies is our mascot, the Fayetteville Aggies on the move. So the acronym was the FAM. And so that was the organization that gave the scholarship to my best friend, Charles, who passed away and did all these other great things. I was on the campus radio station. So that's kind of why I got this mic. You can't see it, but kind of got this radio mic. Yeah. So I was DJ, I was DJ Cool Craig on 90.1 and uh, on campus. I was an ROTC uh, I started a clothing line on campus uh, my soft, my excuse my junior and my senior year. So these are the, these were the things that I put out there into the world. These were the things that I was like I'm comfortable with people knowing about. Um, I actually did my first movie as a senior as well. So so then I say okay, well fast forward to 20 2008 when we had the historic election coming up between Barack Obama and John McCain. And people were doing McCain T-shirts and Obama T-shirts. I said, well, I want to be a part of the conversation. I believe that the seeds that I've planted in the minds of my friends and family is that, okay, he does things. He does it. He sees it through. He's in the creative and the entrepreneurial space. He's got a great leadership background. Okay, cool. I can trust that this first product that Craig's going to release is something I might want to support. And so 
I came out with a line of shirts called My Vote Counts. Nonpartisan, you know, what, what Ben, what your vote may count for might be different than mine, or maybe it's the same, Earl, vice versa. And so a lot of people really latched yeah, onto sure. it because it was like, I don't have to vote for McCain or Obama. I can support the issues that matter to me. And so it was a line of retail quality t-shirts that were worn on TV three times. Um, they were sold in college bookstores. They, it, it really became something that was, was really big and got a lot of traction. I say that not to even pat myself on the back. What I'm saying is if you have an idea for a t-shirt, you, know, you want to start a restaurant or if you want to start a podcast, whatever it is, how do people perceive you? Does, is their perception of you the same as how you see yourself? And if it is, then you have a very strong brand and you can, you should go ahead and start that business, that podcast, whatever it is, because how they see mm -hmm. you is the same way you see yourself. But if how people see you is not how you see yourself, then that means you have a confusing brand. You've been throwing out too many different mixed signals. They don't know, they want to support you, but they're not really sure. Is this going to be a waste of time? Is he only going to do this? Is she going to do this just for yeah. one week or two weeks? is this worth it? Or are they the type of person that kind of half, kind of halfway does things, right? So if I buy a shirt, is it going to right. fall apart in the washing <laughs> machine after one wash? You know, like, is this a person that cuts corners? And so again, long answer short, but <laughs> what yeah. you put out there creates a perception. That perception becomes a reality and it becomes seared in the minds of the people that you ultimately want to be your customers. And it's really hard to change their perception of you once it's already locked in. So I would just say, protect your brand, guard how you want people to see you and make sure you're putting out the right. Definitely. Signals. Just, just wanted to, you know, double down in there. Uh, how do you say, or what advice do you give to yourself or, you know, a friend that wants to build a better brand or, you know, get away from the notion of, uh, you know, I'm going to be a baseball player today and then like an actress in the, or actor, you know, at night, like, how do you, what do you tell them? Or like, how do you advise them to, to, you know, be, be, you know, strong branded. So you have to, I would recommend to stay unknown until you know what you want to be known for. Hmm, okay. Right. So stay unknown until you know what you want to be known for. Gotcha. It is highly recommended, especially by me to go and try different things because you don't know what you don't know. How do you know that you don't like to play baseball unless you give it a shot? How do you know that so I usually put things in two different buckets. Uh -huh. Do I want to do this as an experience? Like, or do I want to do this for a lifetime? Right. Do I want to get married just for the idea of sending out wedding invitations <laughs> and having the cake and throwing cake in each other's face? <laughs> do I really want to be married? Like, do I really you know what, what do I really want to do? So I would just say, do, do that experimentation under the radar, do it for yourself, do it for you to have an idea of, Hey, does this really speak to me? Or was it like, ah, eh, that was fun. Let me move on. Then when you know for sure, hey, this is something I really want to do, then you can find ways to uh, plant that seed in the minds of those who know you. If you want to be a leader, are you raising your hand to be a parliamentarian or the treasurer or the secretary? Or are you just waiting for the, oh, I want to be the vice president or president? I, I don't want to settle for anything uh, other than that. No, just get out there. Get your feet wet. Try it out and see. Um, the other thing is you can also check the temperature of those who do know you best. Ask them to give you three adjectives. Hey, tell me, yeah. what, what do you think about when, when you think of me or when you see my face or hear my name? What comes to your mind? Ask that of about four or five different people. And then yeah. don't tell them how you see yourself, <laughs> but compare what they tell you with what you see about yourself. And if, if it's different, 
then maybe you can get some feedback on like, what, what, what have I done that has made you think of me that way? Okay. <laughs> then you can make those adjustments, but that's, that's kind of like two different, two different answers. Stay unknown until you know what you want to be known for and yeah. then check the temperature from your friends and family. Yeah. I think, it, I, you know, it's just, I, I mean, I guess it just has to get into context, right? Like you can, you can do it, you can do three things, but um, it's just, I, I mean, every, I don't know. It's a little bit complicated, but uh, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, putting what you said in there, just, you know, three adjectives about uh, what someone says about, about you is, is pretty awesome. I'm trying to do a stand-up comedy thing, I think tomorrow. And uh, I'm not known for nice. that at all, but <laughs> okay. I, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. But that's good. See, you're going to try something new and then, and yeah, absolutely. That's great, man. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, one, one last thing on the topics that you had suggested we, or, you know, the things that we, wanted to chat about was, uh, you know, something that you said was, uh, you have the power to create the opportunities that you've been waiting for. And I think there's so much right now is people who want to do what they want to do, but it's maybe not lucrative or it's just, they're waiting for that green light from somebody to say, yeah, join the team or like, you know, here's, here's what, um, you're asking for. It needs approval from a higher power, like, a mm-hmm. not, not necessarily higher mm-hmm. power, but somebody else like, like, a an employer or like, a you know, or like, a they just need that that the A in the test, or and they studied all week, but they can't get that A in the test. What do you, what do you mean here when you tell tell people you have the power to create opportunities that you want and that you've been waiting for? Yeah, I mean a lot of the things that I've done, if if not everything, has been just I have an idea for it, and so I study people that have done it, and I figure out how to do it myself. Whether it's a clothing line, uh, the first line had some pretty scratchy and itchy polos; they weren't great. But I figured out what to do next to make them a little softer and make them better, you know, get better embroidery or screen printing. Just get started. Just figure out a way to put myself out there. Um, I didn't have to ask for permission to start that. I just did it and figured it out along the way. And I asked, hey, you're doing it really well. What are you doing? Uh, how do I get to that level? Oh, or I go into a store and, and kind of reverse engineer. OK, they have the tag and the collar. Yeah. They have the hem tag at the bottom of the, you know, of the shirt. Okay. There's this stitch this way. They use this color scheme, whatever it might be, is just really reverse engineering and figuring out, okay, how did somebody else do it and how can I do it for my myself? But the other part about it is I think is just creating something well enough that you're willing to put your name on it, right? Like you have to be, before you start, start asking for support and for people to, to, to get behind you, it has to be something that you're proud about at least, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whether there is some potential. For example, um, I wanted, I was a architectural engineering major in undergrad and also did aerospace sciences, which is RLTC. I got my MBA right after that. And so none of that stuff said host or TV personality or actor or anything. So I'm like, well, how do I get people to see me for this thing? How do I build the door? How do I create my own opportunity? And so what I did is we know a lot of people that are in a similar space in life, right? They are trying to build their portfolio. They're trying to prove what they can do. They're trying to get themselves out there. I would say partner up with people like that, that are, that are equally as hungry as you. Um, I had a guy, I wanted to create a a show to demonstrate, Hey, I can be on TV. I can do this. So Mm -hmm. I created a YouTube channel called style minute. And I found a guy who loved being behind the camera. He had invested (laughs) in cameras and lights and editing software. And so we worked together, to help him build his portfolio and for me to help get myself out there. Again, I didn't need permission. I just needed yeah. to share my vision with somebody who also had an equal vision and we worked together to make it 
to make it happen. Uh, so seeking out like, like-minded people, having a, how can I do it? Not a, I can't do it. How I can that, I make man. this yeah. happen? And being yeah. optimistic. Yep. Um, having courage to take that first step. I didn't see the whole staircase as Martin Luther King so references, true. but I was willing to take that first step and then figure it out from there. And so I, I was able to record 70 episodes of that show. And wow. then I shared the vision again, right? So now that I have a product, I shared the vision again, said, hey, I want a national home for my show. What can I do? Anybody know anybody? Somebody put me in touch with some uh, the director of uh, development at BET. That was the first place that I got uh, connected to. And uh-huh. then that became a, that started off my path of pitching TV shows to major networks. Even got an offer from Lionsgate for one of my shows that, that I pitched. But that all came from taking that first step having a vision, seeking out like-minded people and uh, being willing to make mistakes, right? Itchy, scratchy polo to being sold in college bookstores, (laughs) YouTube channel, kind of grainy to being able to pitch to major networks. It's just, um, it's just a process. I hope that helps a little bit. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And I know for the final um, kind of minutes here, uh, Craig, uh, we go kind of to the, the last part of our, our program. And yeah, I mean, just to summarize, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, owning a restaurant, servant leadership, right? You know, personal brand and all that. But if you had to summarize all of that and really crystallize in one to two sentences what your personal uh, startup mindset is, uh, what would that be? The only limitation is the ones that we put on myself. So I have a how can I attitude not a, I can't. And I'm always willing to take the first step, even if I don't know where that step will lead. I love it. You know, a lot of us limit ourselves and that we can't do the first step because of ourselves, not even for other people. Absolutely. Uh, my, my next question before I hand it over to Dan to wrap it up is, you know, um, you meet, you know, Craig again, right? Maybe in college, 20 years old, you know, go back in time, you're going to give him advice. What, what, what will you tell him? Right. Yeah. You know, I would, I would honestly, a lot of times people, I hear people answer this, a question like this, like they would tell them to do something different. I would actually encourage 20 year old Craig to continue doing what he was doing, which was experimenting and trying and putting himself out mm-hmm. there and failing and failing often and failing early because that allowed, that's going to allow him to, to have a successful marriage, have raised successful kids. And I mean successful, meaning like successful in whatever their path is. And it's also going to one day open up the door for a, a multi-million dollar franchise opportunity that uh, he will not have if he limits himself, if he puts himself in a box, if he puts all of his eggs in one basket, if he gives up just because things don't go his way and just because he didn't make $100,000 on this idea, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, Craig. I just wanted to, you know, throw some questions at you that uh, were open ended, um, and these are more fun questions. So, uh, okay, what is your go to order at Chick Fil A? <laughs> it's still the same. <laughs> so it's still a medium. It's still a medium fry and a, a half Oreo cookie and half uh, strawberry milkshake. No, no chicken sandwich, or does that come with a chicken sandwich? 
No, that's just it. I mean, even before owning the Chick-fil-A, I just would <laughs> normally get the medium fry because that gives me a little bit of that salty flavor, right? Come on now, sea okay. salt. And then I'd get that cookies and cream and half strawberry to kind of almost mimic a, a chocolate dip strawberry. Man, I love it. Uh, what is your favorite J. Cole song or out? Well, what's your favorite J. Cole song and then album if, if you have one? Ooh, wee. Man, uh, <laughs> I do like. Oh man, I don't know. I like I like Forest Hills Drive because, I mean, again, that's that's Fayetteville. I've been by the house before. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. The Air Jordans on that. that yeah, he's sitting on the rooftop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, man, though, favorite song. I like. Uh, I like uh, Neighbors is good. Or like Neighbors uh, is good. I like Middle Child. I like Middle Child. A oh lot. man, Middle Child, that's good. <laughs> yeah, because I think that kind of represents yeah. where I'm at right now. Where I'm, I'm, I'm older but i still can relate to my younger team members and my you know i still feel young at heart but i also know that i'm i'm you know in between yeah. that that those age groups that's fun uh one last question here is what is a show that i guess i mean you've been in hollywood what's a what's a show that you watch for an hour like what's, what's something on tv that you like um Man, I if, I think I told you I have a two year old little boy, so I'm watching a lot of Baby Shark stuff on uh, oh, <laughs> on <man>. Netflix. <laughs> uh, but as far as for myself, um, I'm really big. I love I love Power. I love uh, the TV show Power. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love uh, any really crime. I hate to say drugs and things like that, but I I kind of like just that. <laughs> I like shows yeah. like The Wire, right, from HBO, things like that that were really big um, that feel very authentic. And so, yeah. There you have it. Uh, Craig, one last thing. How do people, you know, find your Chick-fil-A and how can they support you? And other, I mean, yeah, yeah. How can they find you and, and social media and then like things like yeah. those? So I'm Craig Stokes everywhere. Uh, so Craig Stokes primarily just on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's really easy to find me and craigstokes.com. And for, for the Chick-fil-A, so we're in, in Los Angeles in the Valley and Canoga Park specifically. So it's really easy to find us if you just look up Chick-fil-A, Canoga Park you'll find us. Thanks. There, there you have it, Craig Stokes. Uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks. Thank it's you, my Craig. Pleasure. Hey, my pleasure. That does it for another episode of Sir Mindset's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys would like to, uh, you know, get more in touch with us, subscribe to our blog at startmindsets.com/blog, and more episodes to come. This is going to be, uh, you know, a big year for Sir Mindset. So thanks for the support. Peace.